saved. That's not new. The level by which he does it might be new. The depth of the river of God or the, the, the moving of his spirit might be deeper. And for us, it might be new, but it's not new. You still with me? It might end up being in that new depth a new structure of how that looks. We need to recognize that while it might be a new structure, it's not a new move of God. It's an increased. What God has been doing this last year, he hasn't said, oh, that's done. He said, no, I'm just increasing it. Lance shared a uh, prophetic word with us in December about restoration and revival. Now, that's a prophetic word for this coming year, but it's what God's been doing the last couple of years for us, the last 50 years for the church, last 2,000 years for the kingdom. Restoration and revival. Revival in the classic sense of extending beyond us and God reaching new people. Okay, technically, you know, the word revival means to revive something that has, has been alive and has died, and there is that. But, but I'm going to use restoration in that light and revival in the more classical sense of God extending his kingdom. I believe that we're going to see an increase. So I want to just introduce that. Increase for 2020. Now, some of you are immediately thinking finance. I'm not talking about finance. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about an increase in the word and the spirit. Okay? Increase in the word. There's tens of thousands of churches around the world that have decided that 2020 is the year of the Bible. A focus on getting back to the Word. I think that's wonderful. I think that there is something of the Spirit of God calling His church back to the authority of the Word. The year of the Bible. I want to challenge you to read the Bible this year. Wow, what? But some of you are sitting here going, yeah, that's probably a good idea. When we first moved here, I was talking with a guy who was lamenting about the state of the church and how the church is, has gotten away from God and da-da-da. And, and uh, for probably 45 minutes he talked about this and I he was doing some work at my house, and I finally said, okay, I understand where you are with the church, but let me ask you, where are you with Jesus? And he went, that's a good question. He said, I probably haven't opened my Bible in nine months. Don't allow difficult situations to rob you from the truth of the word. Let's get back to reading the Bible. It's God's revelation of himself. 
God's source of wisdom for living. You know, the Bible talks about raising kids. Now, you can either choose what God says, who created us and knows how we function and has worked for thousands of years, or you can throw that away and take child psychology and listen to a few people who think they have the answers. If you study child psychology, you will see that there's been four major shifts since 1960. Which one? This one. You just missed that, Tegan. I was just talking about raising kids. So. <laughs> God's source of wisdom. So read the Bible. I want to challenge you. Maybe get a new Bible and start over. We're going to talk about this. We're actually going to do a class this year, Biblical Theology with a Relational Focus, that we'll meet on Wednesdays. Basically, it's going to be a summary of the high points of biblical theology. Someone said to me a couple weeks ago, I don't want something that's just academic and dry. and you know, I need encounters with God. And I want to tell you, when we understand God's revelation of himself, we have encounters with God. It won't be, well, I'll be teaching it, but I can't say it won't totally be dry because <laughs> the Bible's not dry. The teacher might be. I shared this with you before that uh, I think sometimes our beliefs are like an iceberg. In an iceberg, there's only 10% of it that's above water. And the other 90% is below the water line. And too often we have these questions about God or about doctrine, and they're the 10% above the water line. But they're often shaped by what's underneath. And what's underneath is often subconscious. We've heard something or we've been taught something or somebody said something that's gotten to our thinking and has affected how we believe. When I was five, I do remember that long ago, 30 years, no. <laughs> when, when I was five, I went to kindergarten. And I remember very clearly my mother saying to me, when you go to school, I expect you to behave. I won't see you, but God sees you. <laughs> now, even at five, I realized that when I misbehaved and my mom saw me, I got spanked. So my five-year-old brain said, if I misbehave and God sees me, he's going to spank me. I don't want God spanking me. Even at five, I knew that that was not a good idea. <laughs> Yet it wasn't probably 25 years later that I realized that I had this image of God as waiting for me to get out of line so he can whack me. It's not the Bible, but it was part of that subconscious belief. I want to tell you, most of us have subconscious beliefs that aren't biblical. We want to deal with those this coming year. The thing is that we're not actually going to do that until March. I told you I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And so beginning in March, the first Wednesday in March, we're going to, we're going to begin that class. But not only 
this year is it a time to grow in the word, but it's also a time to grow in the spirit. God spoke to us, word and spirit, fully word, fully spirit. Two wings of an airplane. Which one's more important? Which one can you do without? As I said before, someone said, if you have all word and no spirit, you dry up. If you have all spirit and no word, you blow up. Take an airplane and take one of the wings off at 30,000 feet. It's not a good thing. You can, if you question me, you can ask Steve. He's the pilot. He'll tell you what actually ha- what happened, and uh, it won't be good. But Ezekiel 47 talks about a river that flows from the throne. And the wonderful part of that is the picture is that the prophet is going, stepping through this water, walking downstream, and he goes a ways, and it's up to his ankles, and he goes farther, and it's up to his knees, and he goes farther, and it's up to his waist. The farther he goes, the deeper it gets. I believe that's what God's wanting to do, that he takes us deeper. He doesn't say, ah, well, let's get out of this river and go into another river. He says, let's just go deeper in this river. The longer we go, the deeper it gets. So we're going to talk about growing in the spirit this year. We're going to talk about getting free to flow in the spirit. Dealing with roadblocks that stop us, tearing down strongholds, closing doors that we've opened to the demonic. We're going to see some deliverance. Then we're going to see an increase in intimacy and authority. We're going to deal with the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. When was the last time we talked about that? We talk about the manifestations, but the fruit of the Spirit. You know one of the key fruits of the Spirit that I find amazing is that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. How in the world is self-control a fruit of the Spirit? I found out something this week that I found amazing. A long-term study of children and those that become healthy and whole and uh, successful, they found a single factor that had the greatest impact. You know what that was? Self-control. Think about it. Self-control stops us from doing impulsive things. Self-control helps us to see the consequences. But what they learned is that self-control is tied into the development of the frontal cortex of the brain, which happens primarily between one and four or five years old. Oh, no! Now, they actually say that 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 frontal cortex only ceases its development when you hit 25. But does that mean if I don't have self-control by the time I'm five or 25, it's hopeless? Yes, except the Holy Spirit, who can actually do something supernatural. Isn't that awesome? But that's a fruit of living life in the Spirit, growing in the Spirit. We're going to talk about that. I'm talking about today, but that wasn't my intent. Manifestations of the Spirit, healing and deliverance, increase in reaching the unsaved. See, none of this, we don't don't grow unless we give out. 
Please understand, if you're relatively new here, when I'm talking about growth, I'm not talking about church growth. Well, I am, but not why most people talk church growth, because the church is people. I'm talking about people growing in the spirit, not a church growing in numbers. That's not our focus. We don't really care. We have been growing, so we have to make preparation for that, but that's not our goal. See, if that becomes a goal, then we try and create everything to make that goal happen. I want to tell you, I don't have goals for 2020, except to walk in obedience to the Spirit. Because as soon as I set a goal, our goal is that we're going to see two more churches planted in Launceston. Well, if that's a goal, how can I be successful unless we accomplish that goal? So then I take it on myself to make that happen. But I'm going to tell you, I can't call people to plant churches. Jesus is planting churches. I want to be in line with what he's doing, but I can't make it happen. Only Jesus can. My goal is to see people get saved or to get healed. But I can't make that happen. As soon as we make numbers a goal, we want to see the church double in size this next year. Well, that then becomes, how do I make that happen? I don't want to make that happen. I want to obey Jesus. I want you to obey Jesus. Increase in reaching the unsaved. I think that's God's heart. I don't have to beat you over the head to try and make you go preach to the unsaved. I think you just need to learn what Michelle said. I love that story. Would you like to give your heart to Jesus? Yes, please. There's something of the Spirit of God at work. It's not like we're fighting against a wall. The Spirit is already drawing people three times. Jesus says in John that no one comes to him except the Father draws them. The Father's at work. He's drawing people. We get to be a part of that. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked. Growing in the Word and the Spirit, but I also think that one of the manifestations of that is team. Tim preached in August about new wine and new wineskins. Wineskins being this structure. I believe that there is a moving of the spirit that's going to require much more of team than individuality. We live in an individual society that basically says, I do my thing. Yet everything that we see in the Bible is about tribe, clan, family, and team. I need others. But I don't just need them to carry me when I'm hurting. You know, the, the, the great illustration is the, the guy who is on the, the stretcher, and Jesus is in the house, and he's preaching, and there's no room, so the guys take him up, and they dig a hole in the roof and lower the stretcher. And too often we think we need team for the time we're on stretchers, and we need people to carry us. And there's truth in that, but we need team for everything if we're going to grow in the Spirit. Not just me and myself. So, growing in the Spirit. That's going to be our focus on Sunday mornings, beginning in February. Oh. The Word and the Spirit. Why then? Because I believe it's something for us as a church. During January, people are in and out. I believe something God's saying. But in January... 
we're going to focus on our identity being in Jesus. Finding our identity in Jesus because you can't grow in the spirit if you have an identity that's in ministry or in performance rather than in Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why people get off base. Their goal becomes their ministry rather than just obeying Jesus. And then pretty soon, that becomes all they do. And they've got to make that successful. And then they have to defend themselves. You know what? If I pray for someone and they're not healed, I don't have to defend myself because I can't heal anyone anyway. When they are healed, it's not me. Oh, it's Jesus. So we don't want it to be associated with a person. We don't want to say, oh, you need to get Mary to pray for you. Because Mary has the anointing. No, Jesus has the anointing. Jesus wants to heal you, touch you. So what do you do in preparation for this year? Growth starts with a heart attitude. An attitude that says, God, I want to grow in you. I don't care how long you've known Jesus. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. If you've settled down and say, I've reached a good point. I don't really care anymore. You're not going to grow. We're going to come back next year, and I'm going to ask you this question again. Have you grown? And you're going to say, no. I'm exactly the same. And I want to tell you, if that happens, it's your fault. God wants you to grow. He wants you to grow in, as Blanche shared the, the scripture, in the knowledge and understanding of his word. He wants you to grow in the spirit. And we're going to do everything we can to create those opportunities. But you can't just say, ah, well, I'm not really interested. You know, it's actually uncomfortable growing. Sometimes God asks you to actually give out to somebody. Oh, I want to grow in the spirit. And he gives you a word for somebody, and then you actually have to share it with them. Well, you know, I like the idea of having words from God. I just don't like the idea of having to share it with someone. I want to grow in the supernatural and healing, but I don't want to actually have to pray for anybody. I just want to have this. Yes, I can do that. But pray for someone who's sick. No, I don't want, I mean, I, I'm kind of embarrassed. None of us are like that, right? So what do you do? First thing, you set your heart, I want to grow. Jesus, I want to grow. We're going to do a class on the Bible. That's not the only way you can grow, but here's an opportunity. If you want to grow in your knowledge and understanding of the word, be part of that. It's open to everyone. Ah, oh, but it's Wednesday. I've got other stuff on. Rearrange what you do. It's very simple. I'm not saying because this is the only place you can grow. I'm not saying because this is where the anointing is and this is the fountain where the glory comes down. And I'm simply saying 
there's an opportunity. But if you don't want to grow, don't do anything different. Oh, read the Bible. What do you do? You read the Bible. Begin now. Don't wait till March. Begin now. If you've been nine months since you've read your Bible, repent this morning. And say, Lord, I want your, your truth and your word. Second Timothy, chapter 2. Verse 15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. Be diligent, be eager, a worker. You know, you don't grow in the knowledge of the word unless you study it. You can't go to sleep with your Bible on your head and say, God, by osmosis. Give me your word. None of you would do anything like that. Let me throw out one other idea, and then I'll finish. You're going, I hope so. <laughs> I've had enough. I want to ask you, would you consider fasting? No. <laughs> I know, that's once a week. Would you consider fasting once a week? What fasting looks like for you, you need to determine with God. But would you say, God, I'm serious about growing enough that I'll even actually fast? Fasting is not a hunger strike. Fasting is not saying, God, I won't eat until you do what I want you to do. I had a friend years ago, took over a church, church had a debt. He said, I'm not going to eat God until this debt is paid. Nine days. And totally, irregardless of anything he did, God had taken care of the debt of the church. But he realized that he was trying to twist God's arm. God, I don't think you want to do what I want you to do, so I'm going to go on a hunger strike. Fasting is not a hunger strike. Fasting doesn't affect God, it affects us. Basically saying, I am serious, and I'm willing to put aside something that my body needs eating on a regular basis so that I can say, God, I want to press into you. What that looks like, I'm not going to tell you. You don't have to fast all day. I will tell you this, do not fast all week, every week, for the rest of the year. Okay? That will be a hunger strike and you will die. Uh, but it might be, okay, I won't have breakfast one day. But I'll spend that time, prayer and the word. Maybe I'm really going to step on toes now. So have grace toward me. Maybe it would be put aside your social media one day. shut your smartphone off and leave it off for half a day. How many of you, I'm going to ask you this, don't, don't show your hands. 
How many of you, in your prayer and study time, get distracted by social media? No. So you're going, yeah. How many of you, while you're actually trying to pray, ding! Oh, let me look at this text, or let me look at this Facebook, or let me look at this. Now, for all of us over 50, that probably doesn't happen much. <laughs> Says my wife who gets distracted by Facebook when she's praying in the morning. And pictures of our grandkids. By the way, we had a wonderful time seeing our new granddaughter, uh, who was delightful. Doesn't look like Mike Tyson anymore at all. great thing is that Jesus is on the move. Very first song we sang, who's moving? Jesus is. We can't make him move. He's on the move. He's wanting us to grow. He's wanting us to increase. He's wanting us to partner with him to see people saved, to see his kingdom advanced, to see churches planted. He's on the move. The only question is, are we moving with him? The story of Israel in the Old Testament, come out of Egypt, going into a promised land, on the route, they follow this cloud, which signifies the presence of God that leads them. Cloud during the day, you know the story, and a, and a fire at night. And if you read in Ezekiel, it says, whenever the cloud moved, they upcamped and moved. And whenever the cloud settled, they settled. Whether it was, they settled, whether it was a day or a week or a month, they followed the cloud. Now what happens is when the cloud gets up and moves, if you said, I'm tired of this traveling, camping stuff. I've got a nice place here. I've got a nice campsite, there's water. Everyone else, you follow the cloud, but I'm comfortable here. The cloud up and moves. Who left? Those people who were up camp and followed the presence of God or the person who stayed settled? What's your expectation? of God this year? And what's your expectation of God in you? Would you bow your head? Close your eyes, just so you're not distracted. I know how life is. We'll go from here, go have lunch, get busy with the things of today and work tomorrow and everything else. I just want to ask you, Would you start this year by saying yes, please, to God? God, I want more. I want to grow in your word. I want to grow in your spirit. I want more of you.
I want to see more people saved. I want to have the privilege of introducing people to Jesus. I want to see more healing. I want to see more deliverance. We say, God, I want to be in that place. This is between you and him, because you can, I can ask you to raise your hand, and you can raise your hand and not mean it. It's actually between you and God. We've set your heart, God, I want to walk in more of your anointing, more of your presence, and I'm willing to do what it takes to be a worker. It's not earning God's favor, but it's not being passive. It's not osmosis. It's saying, God, I'll do what it takes because I want more of the Spirit. That's my prayer. As I approach this year, my prayer has been, God, I want more. I'm 64 years old. I've been walking with Jesus since I was eight. I'm not satisfied. I want more of the Word. I want more of the Spirit. I want more of the anointing of God. I want to continue to be part of what He's doing and in the flow of His Spirit in these days until I go to be with Him. I refuse to settle down, even though there's something in my flesh that would love to settle down. I'm not going to settle down. Holy Spirit, we simply want to be in step with you. Your word says to be in step with the Spirit. We want to be in step with you. In the big picture, what you're doing in the world, what you're doing in this city, what you're doing in our church, but in the individual picture as well. I want to be in step with you. And so we simply say, lead us. Thank you that you're greater than every opposition, every roadblock, every lie, every value of our culture that says something different. We recognize that you're greater, and we simply say, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen.